Roundup podcast, where we talk about the latest news and research from UC Santa Cruz. Today, we're going to go over a few news items from the past couple of weeks. I'm Gwen Jordanay, and I'm an editor for UC Santa Cruz News. I'm Dan White. I'm a writer for UC Santa Cruz. And as I said, we're going to talk about the recent news from UC Santa Cruz, all of which you can find at news.ucsc.edu. All right, so let's dive in, unless there's anything you need to discuss. I have nothing to delay the news. I don't either. Nothing that's important enough. That's right. That's right. Especially this week, because the news is so big. It's so huge, we're going to need to have a much longer podcast. We need a giant truck to bring in this amount of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or one of those cheesy airplanes with a banner where you can never see what it's saying because it's always going the wrong way, like oh. backwards. Do okay. they have that in Santa Cruz? Um, oh, yeah. I've seen that a lot of times, flying over the ocean. Or it's like, marry me, and then the person, it's like, really embarrassing <laughs> if they say no because then everyone in Santa Cruz knows that there's an offer on the table that's been rejected. Oh, ouch. No, hasn't happened to me. Anyway, well, yeah, we need like a giant hanger to contain this news. Okay, so big news. This is like we've joined the big leagues for universities. Shouldn't you be shouting this stuff, Gwen? From the hilltops. Yeah, there you go. Which I'm trying to do via our insanely popular podcast. If I would stop interrupting, man-terrupting <laughs> you, you could probably get to this. Maybe I could. All right. Um, guess what? UC Santa Cruz has joined the Association of American Universities the AAU, one of the most prestigious honors in higher education that shows the impact and quality of our research in graduate and undergraduate education. Yep. They could use a better acronym because it's like, uh, ah, but it's it's very prestigious. That's okay because it's so prestigious. Um, And we've been trying to do this for a while and this is just a massive accomplishment. Membership in the AAU gives us more opportunity to shape and advocate for the future of higher education. That's right. The association, founded in 1900, has only 65 members, so it's, oh. it's pretty exclusive. Oh, that's incredibly exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Including six other UCs and private institutions like Harvard. Oh. Hello, Harvard. Oh, we're in the same group, Harvard. <laughs> I know. And they don't even have a cool mascot. Yeah. Um, and this is the first time the association has invited new members since 2012. So in deciding whether to invite a university to join, the association evaluates a bunch of indicators like research funding, faculty Mm -hmm. awards and honors, citations, doctoral education, undergraduate education, and more. AEU's membership is limited to institutions at the forefront of scientific inquiry and educational excellence, according to its president, Mary Sue Coleman. And UC Santa Cruz is known for groundbreaking research and creative scholarship that challenges conventional thinking. The strong commitment to progressive higher education, social justice, and sustainability pervades the academic work of the campus and daily life, which is a cool part of it. So not just the research focus, but progressive higher education, social Mm. justice, sustainability. It just is really what UC Santa Cruz is about. Yes. Among its many high-impact accomplishments, the campus published online the first working draft of the human genome and made key contributions to the discovery of the Higgs boson. Is that what they call the God particle? Yeah. Not supposed to say that? I don't really know what it is. Yeah. Because I'm, like, that stuff's over my head. But Boson is not, it's not a buffalo. It's way smaller. Seems like that would be a buffalo from the spelling. But. Yeah. Anyway, um, when that discovery came about, it was big, even though I didn't understand it. 
The High Impact Research conducted at UC Santa Cruz complements our guiding commitment to access and student success. U- uh, U.S. News & World Report, in fact, ranks UC Santa Cruz number two among universities in the nation for promoting social mobility, which is an amazing stat for us. And it speaks to our core values, too, since 65, when we opened our doors. Yep. We were designated a Hispanic-serving institution in 2015, and since then, we've worked to develop programs to support students from all backgrounds and have been awarded more than $11 million in federal grants that support student success and equity initiatives. Roughly a third of UC Santa Cruz undergraduates will be among the first in their families to earn a four-year degree, which that is also a pretty incredible stat. Really incredible. Now that we're in the AU, we'll be able to offer even more to the students here now and all who come here in the future. So it's just great news, huge accomplishment, and UC Santa Cruz just stepping up into in the world. Fantastic development. Yeah. Okay, so now that that huge news is out of the way, we have more news. Computer science, as you know, is known for being a heavily male-dominated field. And weirdly, as, as I've read, this imbalance between the genders has gotten worse rather than better over the last three decades. Nearly 40% of computer science degrees in 1984 were earned by women compared to just 22% today. And I can't understand that. Why the heck is that? That is weird because you'd think it would be the opposite. Right. We all know that you're all smarter than we are. (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but now that you've said it. But you made this face which made me think, you were were thinking it. Wait, men are so stupid and women are so brilliant. Why would this be the case unless there are active attempts to discourage women from doing tech? Yeah, exactly. Tech is bad. Anyway, I do not have the reason behind that, um, but I guess that's apparently true. With so few women in tech and engineering, it can be difficult for women to see themselves in these careers, which only perpetuates the gender gap. In an effort to encourage more women to enter the field, the national nonprofit Girls Who Code, or GWC, has been working to change the collective image of what a computer scientist or engineer looks like providing models of female computer scientists through books, speakers, and programs that teach girls practical computing skills. And last year, GWC announced it was launching a new program called College Loops. I guess that's, you know, making the, the, the leap into the college atmosphere um, where they've only been in the lower education so far. Yes. And students at UC Santa Cruz were quick to establish their own branch. Harshitha Arul Murugan current president of the UC Santa Cruz branch, has some ambitious plans for how to encourage retention of women in tech on campus. This year, Arul Murugan hopes to create a kind of big sister program that pairs freshmen and sophomores with juniors and seniors for one-on-one mentoring to encourage the more junior students to stay in engineering majors. So that's incredibly cool, and I think it's a great approach. Arul Murugan plans to include time during club meetings for students to learn and practice skills they will need for technical interviews and building their future careers. Most importantly, however, she wants to provide a space for women to discuss questions, concerns, and even failures with one another. She wants to create this like safe space where they can talk about things they wouldn't discuss outside. That's a, a beautiful thing because it's this no-risk situation where they can just air it all out. Exactly. Talk over their careers. Probably and talk get important feedback from each other when they might not have brought it up otherwise. 
In addition to running club meetings, Rural Murugan is also working toward creating the first annual Baskin Engineering Women's Graduation Banquet to celebrate the accomplishments of women who stick with engineering majors. And there's really just no other way to react to this other than, heck, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Sounds freaking awesome. So Long overdue and very necessary, right? Exactly. Okay, so next story uh, is an arts one. Solitary Garden, a public art project created to protest solitary confinement and mass incarceration, opened on campus with a public reception last week at the Baskin Art Studios. Created by New Orleans-based artist Jackie Samil, The project revolves around a sculpture built by following the blueprint of a standard U.S. solitary confinement cell. And this is just so interesting. So they're just Mm -hmm. transforming the image of what this looks like. This small six six foot by nine foot prison cell will sit on campus atop a slope near the Baskin Art Studios that looks out on Monterey Bay. Over the next year, a garden of flowers and vegetables will grow around the cell, designed by Tim Young, who is currently incarcerated at San Quentin. So what Young will do is communicate communicate by letters and drawings with students and volunteers who will plant and tend the garden as his proxies. The idea is to transform the image of confinement into a space of nourishment and hope. That is such a powerful thing. And there's also this sort of radical defamiliarization thing, too, where people have an idea of what the prison cell will look like, but what you're doing is taking the dimensions of it Mm. and putting it in a completely different context that should be really a powerful thing to experience. Exactly. And something um, so constructive and positive and joyous for Tim, uh, Tim Young to participate in. The United Nations has condemned the practice of solitary confinement confinement as torture, but there are an estimated 61,000 people held in isolation for 22 to 24 hours each day in U.S. prisons, according to Samel. 61,000? I had no idea that it was that many. That is a lot. She says solitary garden is a call to end the practice. The process of collaboratively nurturing the garden and watching the plants around the prison cell offers both participants and viewers the opportunity to, as Samel puts it, imagine a landscape without prisons. The opening of Solitary Garden marks the launch of 18 months of programming and exhibitions organized by the Institute of the Arts and Sciences called Barring Freedom. With exhibitions, speaking events, film screenings, and a symposium in fall 2020, Barring Freedom will bring together some of the most important artists, scholars, and activists around the complex issues of policing, surveillance, imprisonment, and detention that bar millions of people from freedom in the United States. If you want to get more information about it, visit ias.ucsc.edu slash projects. So it's a fascinating um, fascinating project, fascinating idea, and it should be interesting to see it all take shape and then watch Barring Freedom unfold and see what happens there. See I'm, what change I'm gonna we can make, make. I'm going to make sure I see that one, too. They have such thoughtful art installations up on campus, mm-hmm. especially over the last few years. There have been some amazing things. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, well, that's it for me. So what's on your news radar, Dan? Oh, a whole bunch of things. I have to prioritize. All right. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the importance of recess for so many students. you remember school recess, how important oh, that do. was for you? I loved it, of course. I would run out. Yeah. Play soccer. 
play some soccer, and escape really from the academic pressures of school. In fact, when I was in the high school, it was very often an escape from school itself. <laughs> there was we had a person named Helen whose whole job was to patrol the premises and make sure people didn't flee the school, which yeah. was a closed campus. Anyhow, that's another story. Recess may be seen as a time of play and fun, but it's also really important for students. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, students of color, low-income students, and students in urban areas are a lot less likely to get recess at all, or they'll get a lot less recess, says Rebecca London, assistant professor of sociology at UC Santa Cruz. Now, London is the author of a provocative new book called Rethinking Recess, Creating Safe and Inclusive Playtime for All Children in School. Mm. London makes a really good case that recess is an essential but often neglected part of the school day. And I think part of that is the fact that we really just don't think about recess that much. It's kind of a given or a blanket assumption. Kids do recess. It's just part of the landscape of their lives. Mm -hmm. But taking it for granted is something we should really do at our peril because mm -hmm. recess is way more than it may seem at first, superficially. Recess attends to all the developmental needs of a child if it's administered correctly. Mm -hmm. Offering opportunities for physical activity, the development of social and emotional skills like collaboration and empathy with your fellow students, and enhanced potential for academic success. So there's a bunch of stuff that's loaded into recess that one doesn't really think about that yeah. she airs out in this interesting book. When recess is built around principles of safety and inclusion, students learn to self-regulate their emotions and resolve conflicts that arise during the course of play, London says. It's really provocative because then recess becomes kind of a life laboratory for right. skills. and skills that they take into adulthood. Yes, things that transcend the classroom. Uh, now, when a child loses a game on the playground, they learn, hopefully, they learn about <laughs> anger <laughs> I'm, I'm getting some flashbacks. They learn well, about... Uh, right, and I'm going through this <laughs> gonna take, my children right now. Yeah, anyway, I'm going to take okay. my ball and go straight home. Um, <laughs> when a child loses a game on the playground, they learn about anger management and working together with peers and adults. Kids can practice these skills in real time. Recess is an unregulated space. It's not like the classroom. Yep, there's more freedom there. Also, recess gives students the opportunity to demonstrate respect and empathize for others and to... Uh, Establish positive relationships with peers and adults. And London says, this is really interesting, a well-administered recess is the best anti-bullying mm. program there is. It shouldn't be an afterthought to what happens in the classroom. Uh, even school districts with budgets and, safe and space constraints can do a good job with recess. It just has to be administered thought thoughtfully, right, mm. carefully. Um, and she also talks about the serious downside to not having recess at all or having recess that's really poorly planned and mm. sloppily administered. This can lead to disciplinary incidents and many office referrals that are overloaded, the same you know, kids coming in. When children spend their recess time arguing rather than playing or bored rather than engaged, that is wasted time. Worse, it can be detrimental to a child's healthy development. Mm. Now, there's something, an interesting twist to this too. Now, UC Santa Cruz is almost brand new Institute for Social Transformation, which is doing a lot of very just important work on campus. They really um, helped with her launch, with the funding of it, and her book launch downtown in Santa Cruz recently. It's a really festive occasion that brought together all kinds of people to celebrate London's book coming out, cool. including uh, not just UC Santa Cruz community members, but people in the local school systems. And it was a big old shindig with 100 people. Wow. I mean, I've been to so many readings in town, and I can tell you 100 people for an academic publication, <laughs> that is pretty darn good. Yeah, so, so this is um, a pretty... Uh, 
people are interested in this topic. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I just have a feeling that you're going to have a lot more people in academia who are going to want to do a big old splashy book launch, just my hunch. Um, I also want to talk about a, uh, so so that's, that's really good for London for bringing yeah. attention to the importance of research. Absolutely. Um, I also want to talk about a long overdue and really very welcome effort to make science journalism more diverse and oh, yeah. inclusive. Now, as many of you may know, UC Santa Cruz has a really famous and respected science communication master's program that serves yeah. as a launching pad for generations of science reporters and authors who are really grounded in the science and research, but also really are grounded through the program in things like narrative, storytelling, journalism, communicating. Because what is science and research without an audience, without people who can get it, right? right. Unfortunately, the demographics of uh, science writing are quite lopsided. A 2018 survey of the National Association of Science Writers, that's the largest professional organization in that whole field, found that more than 88% of the membership identified as white, mm. 5% Asian or Pacific Islander, 3% as Latino or Hispanic, approximately 2% as South Asian, and a similar percentage chose multiple identifications. Only 1% identified as black or African American. Mm. So UC Santa Cruz, always at the forefront of uh, transformative efforts, is doing its part to really rectify the situation. Uh, UC Santa Cruz has received a grant of uh, almost $200,000 from the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative uh, to increase diversity, inclusion, and representation in its science journalism program. The grant will support efforts to attract a diverse set of candidates to UC Santa Cruz's Science Communication Master's Program. It's the only graduate science writing program in the U.S. that requires a degree in science and experience in research. So representation is huge, right? And um, mm -hmm. it's a major issue in science journalism, which influences what stories are told and contributes to an inaccurate public narrative of who belongs in science, said Erica Check Hayden, director of the UC Santa Cruz Science Communication Master's Program. So I'm looking forward to see what transformations this brings. Absolutely. So it can only strengthen the program. I think it's going to have some real the impact. The field in general. Absolutely. And another really good news, Gwen, I uh, want yeah. you to know a powerful new supercomputer has figured out how to make the perfect avocado toast. What? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, like I can't it, wait to try it. Before, it, <laughs> avocado toast was a matter of conjecture and making it up and w the proportions were wrong. And now you get perfect avocado <laughs> toast. I am just lying. Uh, actually, there really is a new supercomputer at UC Santa Cruz, but uh, it's not making toast. Instead, Aww. it's providing a state-of-the-art high-performance computing system for researchers in a wide range of fields. The supercomputer is providing this really important assistant in many cutting-edge fields. Hmm. This new system is called Lux, and it's way more powerful than previous campus supercomputers. It was designed with the latest technologies, so really the most advanced computational studies can be brought to bear in some really important projects that requires that mm. level of supercomputing, okay. such as, and they're all huge, they're climate modeling, astrophysical simulations, and machine learning. Okay, yeah, those are huge. Uh, now, sophisticated computer simulations can be used to model extremely complex phenomena from behavior, or I'd guess misbehavior, of mm -hmm. Earth's climate system mm -hmm. to the evolution of galaxies. In addition, scientists in a growing number of fields are applying the computationally intensive techniques of machine learning to problems involving large data sets. So uh, there's a lot of anticipation and excitement about this. I'm really excited about leveraging these new technologies to do computational studies we weren't able to do before at UC Santa Cruz, said Brant Robertson, Associated Professor of Astronomy and Astrophysics at UC Santa Cruz. 
Robertson led a team of 20 UC Santa Cruz faculty members from six departments to put together a proposal for the project, which won a $1.5 million grant from the National Science Foundation's Major Research Instrumentation Program. Now, um, the team, by the way, includes faculty in the departments of astronomy, astrophysics, chemistry, biochemistry, earth and planetary sciences, physics, applied mathematics. The list goes on. Mm -hmm. Now, Lux is really important for training students, too. That's kind of amazing that students will have hands-on experience with this. It will be available to students in advanced computational uh, courses and programs such as the Lamott program in computational astrophysicists, as well as visiting scientists and participants in summer programs. And uh, people are up and running on it already, Robertson said. And I'm just so glad, Gwen, that I'm not in this program because I know that I would unplug it or do something to it oh my gosh. or crash it. You might delete Oh, it, in this in this did. job at UC Santa Cruz, I once deleted an entire index for the whole UCSE news, and it, it just went into a black hole. <laughs> and I don't some yeah, hacker so, somehow recovered it. Um, so I think you should probably stay away from the supercomputer. The supercomputer should have a restraining order against me. <laughs> so it's good that I'm talking about it, folks, and not actually using the computer because I feel like I would just crash the whole thing. Yeah. But on that happy note. Or maybe it would spit out some avocado toast. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be really interesting if you literally have a computer just sort of squirted out avocado <laughs> toast. It'll 3D print some avocado uh, toast. That, I was thinking like you could 3D print like a smear of avocado mm. in outer space. Okay, this is getting weird. Okay. So. Well, uh, yeah. So before we get any weirder, um, that's it for this time. Good as always to have you with us. And we will see you next time when... Hopefully we have even more big news. And maybe. even more listeners. And more listeners. Are we in the double digits now? Everything. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just if I'd know so many of you were listening with such care, I'd be very self-conscious. Oh, well, don't do that. Yeah. No. I'll have to block it out of my mind, folks. <laughs> Anyhow. All right. Hope well, you all we'll tune in again we'll soon. We'll definitely see you next time. All right. All right. Take care, Thanks everybody. Care.